Have you ever wondered whether a particular book was really good or just so-so, and if you could trust the reviews online? When it comes to books related to permaculture, Permies has a large list of reviews for over 100 books. Perhaps you're considering a book for yourself or a friend, or you're just curious about what's out there. Stop by permies.com forward slash book and take a look at the book review grid and read some honest reviews, and hopefully you'll find the next book to add to your collection. Okay, so we're going to uh, keep going with reviewing uh, Building a Better World in Your Backyard. And uh, Julia just told me that this is a break. This is <laughs> a <me>. break. Enjoy. <laughs> Enjoy. I've, I've been doing layout review for the skip book for the last several days, and uh, I'm, I'm about two-thirds of the way through, and, we're, and we desperately need to get it done. But i got to say, Julia, I don't, I don't think it's a break. I mean, like, if you do – if you do permaculture stuff, let's let's say 15 hours a day. Um, mm-hmm. After a while, you get kind of like, hey, you know what I want to do is is I want to I want to watch uh, some of that new Star Wars stuff or something. I could do do something sitting on my butt where art plays before my face. Yeah, that's that's what I want to do. Um, there you go. <laughs> so no, this isn't a break. This is like no, oh. I gotta infect more brains, more, more. All right, and all right. Let's let's get infectious. I I don't know if the podcasts do that or not, but somehow my wiring says it does. My wiring says that this that recording these podcasts makes a difference, and so I'm doing it, I'm doing it. Yay! But okay, uh, and then uh, not only is Julia here, but Katie and Mark are here also. Say hi, guys. Hello, hello. hello. Okay. <laughs> that was kind of funny. <laughs> Mark's Mark's super low voice and Katie's super high voice. Um, so, it's our it's our musical podcast. Yeah, I didn't know. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, oh. okay. I got a couple of things to kinda kind of throw out there just to kind of have it out in the podcast world and then uh, and then we can move on with uh was it chapter one no chapter two chapter two okay mm. all right um first off it turns out we're going to have a live video for the garden master course mm. and, and so there's a digital market thing out there where you can go and put up uh, 200 smackers and uh, and get that live access. And um, the course is going to be offered uh, January 10th through the 15th of 2022, although there will be an evening presentation on the 9th. Mm. And I, I think there's an evening presentation every night as well. Uh, as the regular course that's like, you know, 8 a.m. to 5 p.m. Um, wow. Yeah. And, and so a couple of quick things. Uh, first of all, uh, Helen was an intern of Masanobu Fukuoka. And um, I met Helen in 1996 when I took my Master Gardener course. She was the one who was teaching and Helen asks me to be very emphatic that the Garden Master Course is not an official Master Gardener course. So all of the Master Gardener courses in the United States are mm-hmm. uh, 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 done by an extension office 
which is an extension of the local ad college. And the ad college is powerfully influenced by ChemAg. Powerfully. So, uh, Helen taught the, uh, Master Gardener course for 17 years. And, um, uh, and when, and I took her very first, uh, course and, um, uh, she was required. There were several things that were required of her. One, she has to teach pesticides. That is required as mm. part of the Master Gardener curriculum. Further, she is never allowed to suggest that organic is better than chem. Never. That's not permitted. That is, you lose your job. And, and so, uh, she taught me the very first Master Gardener course that she taught uh, in Missoula. And then with each year, the restrictions got tighter and tighter and tighter. And she just couldn't handle it anymore. She just couldn't deal with the restrictions. It's like it's, she could not utter these words anymore because of the, what was being required to be said. And so she quit. And, uh, 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 but all this time that she did it, she also simultaneously had, um, uh, a market garden. And, uh, and she had the number one spot at the, um, amazing and magnificent, uh, Missoula Saturday market, um, which, um, I think everybody on this call has been to. And, yes. uh, and Julia kind of looks at it skeptically like, oh, sure, it's good, but, I think I've seen better, <laughs> and, and and I haven't seen the things that Julia's seen, but I I cannot imagine it being better. Madison, Wisconsin, represent. Okay, all right, all right, all right. Sit sit down, Julia. Sit down. Okay, I am sitting. <laughs> so, um, uh, then uh, she uh, got hired on to uh, run a two thousand acre organic farm. And, uh, um, and then, uh, she, um, uh, uh, met a, met a fella. I wish to, uh, pretend that I played a large role in the two, these two people coming together. That's a story for a whole nother podcast. <laughs> but, um, uh, she and Carl got married and Carl had a big, uh, organic, uh, fruit tree operation. And uh, Helen started dabbling in food forest stuff, you know, like the way Fukuoka did. And um, uh, they did massively awesome, great. And um, and then they decided to leave that place that was in California and pick up a place that was um, in Eastern Oregon. So I've recorded earlier podcasts about how I spent some time growing up in, in Wallaa, in Wallaa County. And, mm-hmm. um, and this is actually a little further east in Eastern Oregon than that. <clears throat> so it's right on the Idaho border, right next to Hell's Canyon, uh, a little area called Imnaha. And, um, so anyway, uh, they, um, uh, did magnificently there. Oh, so many different experiments doing so extremely well. And, uh, there's, there's so much, so much to share. And, um, and, and then an accident happened and Carl is no more. 
And so uh, Helen's by herself. And uh, however, she has taken all that master gardener stuff and all of this new stuff, and she has put it into a new book. And I want to tell you details about it, but I it's not my private stuff to, to say. So um, uh, the book is coming soon. I think that's fair to say. It's going to be absolutely massive and magnificent. Um, and uh, I'm sure that there's going to be excerpts of it uh, uh, spread throughout this course. So um, anyway, all right. So I think I, I'm trying to paint a general picture of Helen, who's going to be teaching this um, garden master course. It'll be a certified garden master course. So it will be a certificate at the end. And I, and, and the other thing is, is that I've talked to a lot of other master gardeners that were trained all over the United States. <clears throat> and I get the impression that Helen's master gardener course was 10 times better, <laughs> 10 times more intensive. Um, oh, and I should also point out, Alan Booker will be attending this course. Nice. Yeah. So this is going to be huge. The discussions will be awesome. Oh, yeah. And I'll be there for the course. Mm -hmm. I'm going to try to be there for the whole course, although I'm spread a little thin. So I'll do what I can. Um, so. so it's going to be live. So $200 and you can be a live participant. Right. Is there going to be a recording or is there... Uh, I've uh, been I've been asked that hard. like 25 times, and I I am guaranteeing that whoever puts up the 200 bucks will definitely get a recording. Ah, uh, okay. That Just, that was my main question. Can, yeah. can no, I, I ask to clarify? Um, since Julia just mentioned. Um, $200 to be an online participant. I, I, I believe it's more like you're an online observer, right? Uh, There's not going to be interactive. No, there'll be. To it. We are planning on doing a totally interactive thing. Okay, cool. Yeah. And so, wow. so people, uh, there'll be, the, so it'll be like what we did in 2017. There's a, there'll be a jumbo TV that we already have thanks to 2017. Oh, good. That will be uh, mounted above the chalkboard, and there'll be a chat thing there. And so all of the students will be kind of facing that while facing Helen, and they'll be able to see what everybody chats, what everybody types. So if somebody's got a question, the students can see it. And I really like the way this worked out. That way, if Helen's kind of on a roll, which she often is, now, I, I'm – I'm kind of trying to think, like, uh, I, I think, Katie, you were here when Helen was here once, right? No, unfortunately. No. Okay. All right. And Julia was not here, and I don't think Mark was here when Helen was here. No, huh? Yeah. Okay. So you guys can't vouch for Helen's amazingness. But um, I have shared uh, a video from when Helen presented here in the past. Mm -hmm. And so um, I think uh, people can really get an idea of, of what that's like. And, and then she was here in the 2017 thing as well. But for the 2017 thing, then um, the, the people that are online will be able to do typey typey to chat, right? All of the, mm -hmm. all of the physical attendees will be able to see that. And, um, uh, and then, you know, if they think it's good, 
they could say something. And of course, if Helen really wanted to, she could turn around and look up and see it. If she, but, but I don't know if she'll be into that. She might. We'll see. But there is a level of interaction. So, uh, um, we are doing our best to get that all set up and we're testing stuff this week. Things like that. Um, uh, along those lines, uh, the solarium is almost done. Uh, the sliding glass doors are in, uh, the, the south facing wall is pretty much complete. Um, oh, so, but that'll offer four more bunks, uh, during this event and we're building it for the event. Um, and it's just been slow because we don't, we're pretty emphatic that for the boot camp, that you never work on the same thing for more than half a day. So the boot camp's maximum forward velocity on that is to put in half a day each day, uh, five days a week. And so, um, but you know, that's, that's coming along really well. It's going to be really beautiful. I think, um, and it already has a rocket mass heater in it, ready to go. Ah, Thanks to our rocket mass heater jamboree, um, a, uh, a couple months ago. Which Julia, your your husband was here. Elliot. He was there. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so live video for the Garden Master course. There's a thread about it. The digital market. It's all set to go. Um, uh, a lot of people are asking about video afterwards, and we will definitely for the people who paid 200 bucks, we'll definitely provide video. It might be a couple of months. It might not be handsome. But, right. but we'll unedited raw video, yeah. But we just bought a whole bunch of equipment for this, and that was kind of the thing that we did. Is like, if we can get enough people to do this, we'll buy this expensive equipment. So now we have like four video cameras, and we have um, like a live editing tool, and um, like a live editing mixer board thingamabob. And, and most importantly, we've got one of the boots has volunteered to, to, to master all of this and manage it during the event. And so, uh, but the thing is, is like, I am nervous as hell about whether or not it's, cause it's possible that the video, something will go wrong. We've, I mean, we've had all kinds of things where we've done video and something went wrong. And so we couldn't use the video. Um, and so I'm, so a lot of people are like, Hey, can I just buy the video? And I'm kind of thinking like, um, yeah, okay. Uh, it's with the live thing. Um, as far as the rest of it, I mean, so I really encourage people because there's been a couple of people that are like, I just want to watch the video later. And it's kind of like, okay, A, when it's available, it might be months later and B, it might not be available at all. Um, because something went wrong. And so I'm super nervous about this. Um, trying to get it all sorted and make sure it's on rails. Ah, okay. There's that. Next thing. I think all of you have seen the thing about a million calories, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And so that is going really well. I want to try it out. I, I, I like the idea of there continuing to be feedback on those threads because it started off as one thread. Now it's three threads, I think, but I think it needs to go out to like seven or eight. And, um, 
it's it is a big big thing. Um, so the idea is is that I would have a Kickstarter, and it sounds like in order to pull it off, I would have to be because like my past Kickstarters, I've asked for anything between eight thousand dollars and eighteen thousand dollars, and for this one, it sounds like I'll be asking for three hundred thousand dollars. And um, so there would so I would then turn around and hire five gardeners, and each gardener would be assigned an acre on the lab, and they would have one year to um, grow a million calories. Now they're going to be paid to do their best at growing a million calories, so they're going to get paid regardless of whether they grow a million calories or not. But for each of them that does hit a million calories, uh, they will get a $5,000 bonus. And for whoever grows the most calories, that person would get a $20,000 bonus. Um, so uh, uh, there, there would also need to be uh, a paid full-time videographer, and there would also need to be a paid full-time project manager. Um, so uh, uh, let's see, what am I leaving out? Oh, each plot will be an acre, and then uh, each plot has to have a quarter acre that's set aside as a bit of a control. And that's uh, where there'll be some rules about that quarter of an acre. has to be flat. Uh, the food has to be grown in monocrop rows. So more... Organic or better, but more conventional. No mulches. And then the other three quarters of an acre is more permaculture-esque. So everything's going to be carefully measured and, and stuff like that. But um, I think it'll be great to inspire people that you can grow enough food for one person your first year. So everybody's going to start with a bare, raw acre. And the, the, this is in uh, timberland. And so the quality of the soil is pretty low. And I, uh, and I kind of feel like part of it would be that each person can kind of come and pick their acre. And, and so each of the five gardeners would pick their acre. Um, uh, anyway, um, we're going to say uh, a million calories. We're also going to have some base crops. Like we're going to list off 30. And then people must grow like a minimal number of calories from 20 because otherwise people will just monocrop the whole thing. Like, you know, potatoes, um, you know, or, or whatever is they, the thing that they think is going to be the big calories per acre crop. Pigs. Well, and that's the other thing too is, um, while animals are allowed in the system, calories from animals is not going to be part of it. Oh. So now, I mean, that could be another project for another day, but it's kind of like already a lot of the feedback from a lot of people has been like, I want you to do it in my area, not your area, not Montana, <laughs> where I live. And it's like, um, I, you know, it's too hard to control. You know, mm-hmm. and so it's like we need to we need to be able to have oversight that the rules are being followed and things of that nature. Um, all right, so the million calories project. Uh, 
possibly a future Kickstarter, but I think there's a lot to be figured out still. And uh, because everybody involved would be getting paid, you know, except for me, then um, there's a lot of money. We would need a lot of money to pull it off. So That sounds expensive, yes. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, I don't know another way to do it. Mm. You know, um, I don't think too many people that are – that already have some gardening under their belt, like a lot of gardening under their belt. I don't think too many people are going to be willing to move to Montana in order to be able to, to do this project. Um, and, uh, um, you know, for, for, for no money, you know, uh, so I, or only for the bonuses. Uh, I, I think that what we need is, um, and I love the idea that there's five because, and as much as it's slightly competitive, I don't think it's, it's heavily competitive, but the thing I want to see is like different styles of permaculture. So like one person might do biodynamic, uh, one person might do it all hugel cultures and berms, which is the way I would do it. Uh, one person might do it, uh, uh, with a pond and a lot of chinampas. Um, I'm, I'm powerfully curious to see the different designs that people do. Um, some people might run animals through their systems and some people might not. And so, you know, I, 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 I think that it's, it's about the artisan, like what's going to be the mixture of things that they're going to do and what's going to be my minimum requirements. So, all right. I think, I mean, you guys have been looking at it. So, I mean, I'm excited about it. And it's just an idea so far. It's not even, it's not even a Kickstarter yet. And I'm, it scares the shit out of me because it would be for so much money. It'd be, because the most I've ever gotten out of a Kickstarter is $150,000. And so the idea that I might get, that I'll, that I'll start off saying 300000 is just huge. Mm. All right. Uh, the next thing on my list, uh, the tour, the tour movie. So we've got the Turbo Tours out there. Um, I think the Turbo Tour is awesome. Um, it's, uh, I think it's 65 things squeezed into nine minutes. Uh, like 65 different things here at Wheaton Labs. It's, it's, uh, so basically, I think it was in June or July. All I know is it was a crazy, it was like 104 that day. And I'm out there giving the tour. And, uh, uh, it's a hot, it's like a, the hottest part of the day, 104. And I'm giving the tour inside the greenhouse. <laughs> so uh-huh. here's the greenhouse. It's now done, you know, and uh, let's look at the temperatures in here. It says it's hot. <laughs> and so, um, yeah. And I said it's real hot. But yeah. Real hot. Yeah. I yeah. think, uh, um, I, I think on that particular day it was warmer in the greenhouse than it was outside, but, uh, I don't think at that point in time we had not yet optimized the, um, de-stratification pipes. And, um, now it doesn't get as hot. Um, but, uh, I've got tons and tons to say about that, but the key is the tour and, uh, we've got a 
pre whatever, pre sale, pre what do you call that? Pre pre purchase, pre anyway. The movie, the whole a full length movie is being made. And I just got an email about it yesterday, so it's it's getting worked on right now, this full length tour movie. And um <clears throat> uh it's gonna be over two hours long and it's the long version of the nine minute thing with mm. lots of discussion about lots of little details and stuff like that. Um but I think I got it set up for ten bucks. Um oh it's the pre order. That's what it is. The pre order for the movie. It's all set up and there's been a bunch of people buying that pre order and um that pays for the editing of all of it. Um, and so I'm kind of, I, 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 what the, the stuff I've, the versions of the tour I've seen so far have been lovely. This is going to be really nice. Josiah took the video. He did a great job. And, uh, the Bernal brothers are editing it. Uh, it seems like a really good price. $10? I ordered two already. <laughs> I, I suppose I should do what Hollywood does and say it's $20. And then, like two years later, you can get the bargain bin for ten dollars. But mm-hmm. well, um, that's not your way. I I like to give a better deal to the people who like if you pre-order. So maybe that's what I'll do. Is if you pre-order, it's ten dollars, and then the moment it's available, it's fifteen or twenty. Mm-hmm. You for know, 20, something like yeah. that. Yeah. Um. I I think it was like during. One of my Kickstarters years ago, it was during the World Domination Gardening Kickstarter, that um, I I was selling the three DVD set for whatever price, I, I think $65. And I thought to myself, you know what? I should make this really super cheap for my Kickstarter people because they're giving me the money like four months before it will exist. And I want to... I want these people to have the best candy, the most candy. Then when it comes out, sell it for a much higher price and be like, yeah, you should have supported my Kickstarter. <laughs> and and then eventually let the price come down so it can get into more brains. Um, so, uh, yeah, that's – I mean – I know all three of you have backed my Kickstarters in the past. Are you, you cool with this strategy? No, yeah. it makes sense to reward the people who are going on faith. Exactly. Yeah. I guess the question I'm having for you is, is that if the price a year later is the same as the Kickstarter price, but you don't get all the candy, the additional candy, you cool with that? I'm not, does it feel like that's lovely still? Yeah, I'm okay with that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And then if two years after that, if the price goes down a little bit, so it's less than what you paid for it during the Kickstarter, but of course during the Kickstarter you also got a lot of candy. Is that okay? Mm-hmm. Yeah, prices okay. tend to go down over yeah. time. Yeah. yeah. That's fine. So you guys all got it years before the people who start, because I kind of feel like, Okay, how do I get this into more brains? I want this stuff to get into more brains. And and so Mark making the price lower seems to be it. Although there's this stuff about it. I keep hearing about inflation now. So maybe if I just leave the price where it is, it kind of gets lower anyway. <laughs> People don't feel that, though. Oh, oh yeah? I don't know. 
It seems like I hear about it 10 times a week now. Oh, no. People talk about inflation all the time, but it's the reason, like, I'm just like, because I'm getting old, I'm like, a dollar twenty-five for a candy bar? What? Oh, yeah. That's crazy. <laughs> Could be a quarter, right? A quarter, it only right? costs you dollar twenty-five. I don't buy candy bar. Candy bar around here. Oh, Mark, are you shopping God. at Disneyland? They're like three dollars. <laughs> yeah, welcome welcome like to Southern bucks. California, yeah. Oh, man. Although I do get the, you know, your overeating size candy bars. I guess the sharing size, they call it. The I share it with size. myself. Sharing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but Mark, you and I are giants. We get to kind of justify that, right? <laughs> yeah, anything that fits in my hand, I consider a serving. So you know, if I'm standing like next a to, gallon of cereal, if I'm standing next to Katie, I kind of feel like I could get like triple size stuff. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, I mean, you it's great to stand next to me for a number of reasons. <laughs> yeah, we're we're family size when we stand next to Katie. <laughs> so, uh, thank you, Katie. You're helping us to get more snacks. <laughs> Anytime. <laughs> I, I love snacks. Now that Julia has said the thing about a dollar twenty-five candy bar, I gotta say, I I think it's probably been more than ten years since I've bought a candy bar, and and when I did, uh, I was a little little shocked at the price tag for it. Um, then, and I, I don't even remember what I paid then. Mm. Uh, it might have been 50 cents. Are right? you nuts? 50 cents? This used to be 15 cents. All right. So, all right. Skipping, moving okay. along, moving along. Yeah. Um, let's see. I've been working hard on finishing the final layout review of the skip book. So, uh, kind of like, Okay, so right now we're mid-December. Really hoping to get this to the printer in a week. And then the printer is probably going to take a month and a half. So I'm kind of thinking like it might be February until the books get here. But I know all of you backed my Skip Kickstarter and um, probably a lot of people listening backed my Skip Kickstarter. And so um, there's that information. I, I got to say also that uh the the greenhouse kickstarter hasn't been totally fulfilled but part 1 has been released and um part 2 is being edited up right now i'm i'm hopeful that maybe by the end of this month or maybe sometime next month that will be all done um okay. so so soon both of the kickstarters will be fully fulfilled um, and, uh, oh, right. I am currently, uh, in the middle of doing final layout review and, uh, on my screen right now is the sexy centerfold. So the, <laughs> the physical book has a sexy centerfold. It also, it also has a, a flip book in the uh, bottom left corner and the bottom right corner for the entire book. And there were people in the Kickstarter that paid to have their likeness put into the flip book. So if you hold the pages and you go, then, then you kind of see a little animation happening in the lower left corner. And, and then you do the lower right corner and see the other animation. Wow. And, and the animation's kind of big. It's, it's kind of covers a big slice of the bottom edge of the page. So I think that there are three people in each animation for the full, the full uh, flipbook animation. So that's so uh, fun. 
Yeah. <laughs> and then there are a bunch of people who supported the Kickstarter and they got to have their likeness put into the book. And so, um, and the book is very illustration heavy. Uh, the Bernal brothers said we should have a BR caper who, whoever is the first person to, um, use the book like a coloring book. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's cause it's all black and white illustrations, but you can color all of it. Um, so, uh, it is, uh, oh, it's, and, and of course, as I'm doing the final layout review, I'm reading every sentence again for like the 15th time. And, um, and, and I keep getting a hundred new ideas for new projects while reading it. And, um, at the same time, I keep thinking like, eh, this is dumb. I, I think this book is going to change the world. This is going to be it. Everybody's going to need this book. And I thought that about the last book, too. And here we are. I think that's about every project. This is going to change the world. So, well, Paul, just because it doesn't do it in the first year or so doesn't mean that it won't. Like, you might be ahead of your time. And that's what's kind of a sucky place to be because no one – like, if you are truly, like, way ahead of your time, then you won't know it until, like – like way later like that's that's how that would go but i mean i mean changing the world is really cool you could still do it i'll get to find out all about how i'm ahead of my time after i'm dead (laughs) that's kind of how it works isn't it (laughs) well like it depends how long you live like if you live another 150 years and stuff like like i don't know what they're going to do with (laughs) curing aging but uh so we're crossing fingers for that but Ah. um but you know, I mean, if you're ahead of your time, you don't find out right away. So, um, but I, I, I would love to see it completely viral out. Uh, I'm Edward Norton. No, not that one. The other one. And I love pies. No, not that kind. The other kind. Permies is an old school forum packed full of friendly people who occasionally give out a slice of pie. You'll never forget your first slice of pie. It made me feel so good. I had to buy a whole pie so I could share the love. Oh, and there's apples too. Sign up at permies.com to join in the world of homesteading and permaculture, and you too might get a slice of pie. I am kind of going a little bit insane needing it all to viral out. But i got to tell you, as I'm reading this, all this stuff, and I'm seeing all of the illustrations and the layout and all the fun things that are coming in the book. It's, it's kind of like this whole thing of like, Oh damn, this is good. So I like uh, earlier today, I was reviewing the part about aunt Natty. Have you, any of you read the part about aunt Natty? No, no, I don't think so. Oh, okay. All right. So for natural medicine, Hmm. then um, in order to do it, because I'm, uh, there's, there's, you know, some people were kind of thinking like, oh man, the AMA isn't going to be okay with this. And, and yeah, so you better not snicker out loud, Julia. <laughs> this is being recorded. Yes, yes. I'm not a member of the AMA though, so. Oh, okay. Okay. So as a physician, they're coming yeah. for you. So, okay. all right. Uh, or, you know, naturopaths could lose their shit over it or whatever. And so I kind of, and then, uh, you know, there's the whole thing of like, are you dispensing medical advice? Is that what you're doing? Is that what you think you're doing? Mm -hmm. So 
the whole concept, the whole concept of Aunt Natty is introduced in the natural medicine aspect. One of 22 aspects that make up PEP, which make up PEX, which is one piece of PEX, which makes up skip, which is a part mm. of skip. Okay. So anyway, there's a whole chapter on natural medicine and Aunt Natty. And so we basically describe uh, Aunt Natty as this person, and she's got like, I don't know, 25 different attributes. And so Aunt Natty is the person who picks you up at the hospital, takes you to the hospital. Aunt Natty is the one who's um, uh, she's a great cook, all organic or better, passionately believes in food as medicine. Uh And, uh, uh, you know, Aunt Natty makes sure that you get to your physical therapy appointment and that you do your physical therapy homework. Aunt Natty makes sure that you take your medications. Um, And, and in fact, I had a fascinating conversation with you once, Julia, where it was like Uh something about your patients need to drink water. And I made a suggestion of, like, here's your prescription. Go get 400 bottles of water, (laughs) (laughs) and you have to drink the water, this particular water, which is just water, unadulterated. Because, of course, what people want to do is have it full of sugar Sugar. or, even worse, aspartame. Mm. And and it's kind of like, it's like drink, you know, so, all right, Aunt Natty's going to make sure that it's water you're drinking. Go Aunt Natty. and Aunt Natty, uh, she, she has a magnificent and glorious, uh, permaculture garden. And, uh, she has, uh, you know, put up a bunch of, uh, herbs in her own little personal apothecary. And, um, uh, so, uh, anyway, she'll, she's the one, she's passionate about your health and she's, but the last item on the list, which has an illustration to go with it is, Aunt Natty is the person that slaps the donut out of your pie hole. <laughs> I want to see that illustration. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty great. <laughs> so there's this old woman and there's this bearded dude and there's a banana flying. <laughs> I mean, I want a banana, a donut flying. A donut. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, uh, it's, it's magnificent. All right. So, uh, I'm, I'm very excited about this book. I, of course, feel this foolish feeling I feel with everything I create. This is it. This is so good. This is going to change everything. And uh, then, of course, then, then I have the gut-wrenching thing later where it's like, what, that's it? <laughs> People aren't buying them by the million? What's going on? What's wrong? So, all right, all right. Last, last item, a quick mention. Um, the half-assed holidays here uh, at Wheaton Labs for the boots have been great. And so um, we did uh, uh, a spoon carving day. Wooden spoon carving day was on Wednesday. Uh, yesterday we did um, a Christmas decorating day. And we, and I am the, of all the people here, I am the only person that has ever seen It's a Wonderful Life. Oh, so, wow. So uh, all of the boots were required to spend half <laughs> of their uh, time uh, during the half-assed holiday. So during boot time, you are now required to spend two hours watching It's a Wonderful Life. So we all gathered around in Paul Theater and watched It's a Wonderful Life. 
Um, and uh, of course, everybody thought it was uh, awesome. Did you know that they colorized it? We watched the colorized version. Oh, no. Yeah, that was that was odd. Uh, it, was, it was still great. It was just like kind of colory. And I was like, that's kind of odd. Okay. Um, so we had uh, the the day of light, uh, the day of fire, um, and wooden spoon day. Uh, it's it's been um, uh, it's been awesome. We've been having great half-assed holidays. Um, so. Uh, um, and we had we, we keep getting ideas on how to make it even better still for next year. <clears throat> so, uh, but anyway, I I'm still kind of hoping that a couple more boots will come out before the um, the uh, uh, Garden Master course. Um, you know, because it's going to be tight. We've got two of the boots that are going to be in the course, and then one of the boots that's going to be managing all of the video stuff. And that leaves us just two boots on the ground to help manage the whole event. And I'm going to try to be in on the event. So it's possible I won't be able to be in the event very much because we're short on boots. Mm. And, um, hey, uh, I, and I think all three of you, uh, have been supporting the, uh, BRK for the boots. And I think that's, yep. that's the best thing to, to bring more boots because when boots have been here for a few months, they're starting to turn out really good. The thing that comes up is like, okay, I think I'm running out of money. I've been having such a good time here and, uh, you know, spending money on this and that for, you know, winter gear and whatever else, um, that, uh, you know, they start to look at like my finances are starting to run thin. I'm, I'm going to have to head down the road. And so, um, a few of them are getting by on the funds from the BRK, but it would be better if there was more in there. I think if we had more funds in the BRK, we would probably have more boots in the boot camp. And mm. um, that would improve our forward velocity in a bunch of different fronts. Oh, and if anybody's listening thinking that they want to uh, get the boots uh, Christmas gifts and the boots are too shy to ask, I, I want to put a shout-out for electric bicycles. I think uh, that would be awesome to go back and forth to the lab. And then, of course, when all three of you are out here next, you might enjoy using the electric bicycles. I actually have an electric bicycle I'll be bringing with me. Oh, nice. Nice. I, I think that that'd be pretty sweet. Now, we have a bunch of bicycles, but, of course, you know, when you're in, at the end of the boot day and you're staying up at the lab, People have been using their petroleum-fueled vehicles, and uh, I kind of feel like if we had electric bicycles, they, they would use, they would prefer that. And so then I don't want to say, no, you can't take a bicycle. I don't want to, I don't want to do that. But if we had electric bicycles available, I suspect people would be using those a lot more. We actually do have one electric bicycle here now. Unfortunately, um, I think within the first year, somebody lost the battery because it was one where you take the battery off and then you go charge it somewhere else, and we we can't find the battery. I don't know where it yeah. is. Yeah. And it's like I don't think they make that anymore. <laughs> so uh, anyway, so we've, we've got this one electric bicycle that has no electric to it. <laughs> So, uh, all right, that's it. That's that's the things for catching up on. 
Okay. Yeah. <laughs> just, uh, just a couple things to mention, you know. Just, just a couple of housekeeping uh, items. I'm sure there's 40 more things. Um, but I didn't, I didn't write them down quickly just before we started recording. Okay. We're good. Uh, here we go. Uh, um, we're building a better world in your backyard by me and Sean. And, uh, uh, today we're on page six. Yeah, we're inching along here, aren't we? Chapter two. Environmentalist versus environmentalist. And the, the second environmentalist is in quotes. Uh, I once saw a documentary where a wind farm was forbidden by the government because of the local outcry. The woman who led the resistance said, we must all do our part for the environment. The people who wanted the wind farm said pretty much the same thing. Well, leaving the real argument aside, I was very interested in a few clues that were given up about this woman's personal life. My impression, based on very limited data, was that she probably considered herself to be an environmentalist. And yet, if there were some sort of super accurate machine that could measure her eco-level based on her actions over the last year, I think she would score very poorly. Very very poor. I suspect that most people who would call themselves an environmentalist would score poorly. The problem isn't that they are nefarious or stupid. It's just that the eco-information that they have been exposed to is probably some form of greenwashing misinformation, and plenty of it. So, how do you, dear reader, find out if you really are an eco-warrior or an unwitting eco-poser. Well, I've come up with a quick and simple test. <clears throat> I'm sure all, all three of you are intimately familiar with this, not only from this book, but I, this is something I wrote before the book. Yes. And we just polished it for the book. Yeah. The complexity of a truly accurate test could fill a library and would change daily as new information and new problems are discovered. The discussion and debate over the quality and validity of the test could fill a hundred more libraries. But since I am seeking something very simple, I came up with a test that is massively permissive. It allows half of the current population of the United States to proudly sport the label eco or environmentalist but the gut wrenching <clears throat> the gut wrenching part is that most of the people yes more than half who read this book and are utterly certain that they are eco are about to learn that they are actually posers i won't tell i promise don't kill me all right, here we go. The Wheaton Eco-Poser Test. I'm calling this the Wheaton Eco-Poser Test instead of the Eco-Poser Test so that 
everybody who fails this test can make their own test because obviously for them, this test was defective. For example, maybe the Poppins eco-poser test would heavily favor umbrella-based transportation schemes. The average American adult spends about $1,000 on heat and electricity per year, an average of $83 per month. The test is to spend less than the average with one whammy. Kids don't count. So a household with two adults and four kids needs to spend as little as a household with just two adults. So two of you have children. So is this, mm. is this the part where you're, you're starting to get your, uh, your, your anger worked up at how this test sucks? <laughs> I've heard about me. this test a long time ago. I don't know. It sounds like half of America has already passed the test, right? Yeah. Because half of America is below average on that price. Well, pe- people who live in cities have lower utility bills. Some cities have massively lower prices per kilowatt hour than others, but it's not my test. <laughs> some some cities, yeah, the, the, the price is lower. Uh, sometimes rural areas can be lower. Sometimes it's higher. Um, a lot of times uh, cities tend to be lower because uh, people tend to squeeze into smaller spaces more. In a exactly. City. And you yeah. have people living above and below you, so you're you're heating the building instead of just your own building. True, true. Efficiencies. So uh, there you go. Yep. That's the whole test. If you spend less than that, congratulations, you made it to Eco Level 1. We have so much cool stuff to talk about, like Eco Levels 2 and 3 and the rest. But for now, I need to talk to the angry people coming at me with torches, pitchforks, and other sharp things to teach me about peace and love through the art of stabbing. This simple little test emerged after years and years of struggling to talk to thousands of people about different trains of thought and what it means to be eco or to be an environmentalist. I soon learned that some people were adamant that they were eco and that they could prove it to be true by saying it very loudly. Usually their justification was rooted in now living a life that was 5% more efficient than at some point in their more wasteful past. They had no idea just how wasteful their lives were or still are. So i got to say, I have a great friend in the Seattle area. And he and I debated for years, probably six years, about how to save energy in your home. Mm. And then he got to the point where he needed to go to Mexico for like, I think it was three months. And he, and at the time, I happened to be packing up to move to Montana. And he said, you know, could you postpone going to Montana for three months and kind of house sit for me? And so, because of reasons that worked out to fit with what I was doing. So I, sure, sure. I'll do that. I'll do that. Um, then he got his power bills 
and his power bills were one quarter of what they were for when he lived there. And so <laughs> I was using less power than he ever had in his 10 years of living in that same house. And, uh, and, and I, I took out all of the, uh, fluorescent light bulbs and put in incandescent, which of course, you know, they, they do use more power technically, but it's how you use them that makes sense. Um, <clears throat> so anyway, I, I do think, but I, I also kind of feel like, like, for example, the beginning where we're talking about those windmills and I'm watching that movie and I think that the movie was the age of stupid. I'm not sure. I think it was the age of stupid, but anyway, um, so yeah, this woman is talking about being an environmentalist, but if I remember correctly, like she flew in on a jet from her winter home because the property that she has in the area is her summer home. And so, you know, she was flying back and forth in order to be able to, you know, attend all of this, this legal meeting stuff and to be able to fight for having no windmills in the area. Um, so fight for that view. Yeah. Well, something about the view and the sound that they make. Um, and she felt like, and, and when I see them, I think they look cool. I think they're awesome. I, I don't know. It just looks rather beautiful to me. Yeah. I think they're cool looking. My issue with them is all the wind that they cause, you know, they've got these huge fans out there <laughs> blowing, you know, and it's like, I just like a nice calm day and instead of it being all windy, you know, and <laughs> the days when they turn them off and it is, it's nice and calm. And it's like, you know, it'd be nice if you have a barbecue in your backyard, you don't want all that wind blowing. If they just turn those fans off, it'd be great. So, um, yeah, yeah. Th- yeah. <laughs> right. Right. If they had never put them up there, the, the air would be still, right? Uh, there was some old geezer who said it was windy before they put them up. So maybe, maybe they're actually moving the wind to go in the opposite direction. All right. Um, I Can think there is the concern. There is the concern that all, having all those, uh, wind farms, you know, that's going to use up the breeze. You know, it's going to slow the air down and it's going to stop it from, you know, it's going to essentially destroy the jet streams. Um, so you have to be careful of that, too. I heard once about a massive wind spill and it damaged property for miles. It damaged what for miles? Property. A wind spill. The wind got everywhere. Yeah, knocked down That's trees. The worst kind. It's terrible. All those birds. The environment, you know? Poor things. Yeah. Okay, we should probably keep moving. <laughs> <laughs> All right, okay. Uh, I guess when it comes to energy, it sort of seems free until the energy bill comes. And there is very little reliable information on what really works and what is just somebody trying to sell you their stuff. So do you spend five times more than your neighbor, five times less? Now, Mark, you were saying that you actually get a report. Like, your power bill comes and it tells yep. you. Yeah, my monthly bill, they they include, here's how much energy you used. And when you click on the link, it takes you to the page and it says, here's the average for um, all customers. So, like, in Southern California, and here's the average for people in your zip code um, and then your own. And so that's... 
um, I guess a nice little ego trip when I see, you know, my, my electrical bill is about one tenth or the, the kilowatts per month use is about one tenth of my neighbors. Um, but as you mentioned in the, uh, book here, uh, you know, it, like I'm a single person, right? So that I, I'm going to have less power use for my household right. than, you know, a couple that has four teenagers and big TVs and, you know, they're, they're cleaning their pool. You know, there's lots of pools here in Southern California and you're going to have a little pool cleaner running, you know, most days. So that can definitely add up. I have coworkers who they said that their electric, not their gas, just their electric part of their electric, uh, their utility bill, uh, is over $600 a month. And, that's just like crazy to me. So then they'll, they'll spend a lot of money and get solar panels and they might spend 30,000 on solar panels, but then it cuts four or $500 a month off of their bill. So they pay them off in a couple of years and they're saving money. On the other hand, I think the highest electric bill I've ever had um, due to a little window AC unit was uh, maybe for the electric part only like 90 bucks. And usually it's around 15 to $20 a month. Um, so wow. yeah, it's just, it's just how people do things. You know, it's, I don't have a TV and I have a computer that's, I use a lot, but it's sort of a power efficient one. And no pool or hot tub, things like that. So it's just to each their own. So um, I here at Wheaton Labs, um, when we have an event, our electric bill goes up to about $180 for that month. And then, um, but most months we're kind of hovering around 120 to 140 And the lowest we've ever had is 85 But, I mean, we've got like generally like eight people here and we, we work here all day running welders and power equipment and things like that. Um, so, uh, um, I would expect that if you, if you work at home all day running powerful equipment, that'll right there easily double your bill. But, but the point I'm trying to get to is, is that if, if, First, you take off the whatever it is, 25 bucks a month for just being connected. And then you, you know, just look at the charges for the, just the kilowatt hours. And let's say it's a hundred bucks a month. And then you divide it by eight. It's a little over 10 bucks a month per person. And so I, I kind of feel like that's the point. It's like if you've got a family of five, then, um, like a mom and a dad and three kids. <clears throat> Then only the, only the mom and dad count. But the other thing is, is that those kids are using a lot more electricity. And, and, and then I think the word teenagers was thrown out there like, oh yeah, <laughs> that'll be even more. But, um, they're sharing resources. They're all in a shared space. So it will be reduced. But I, I do think it's important for the parents, and I realize I have two parents on the phone with me right now, take responsibility for their kids. Do you parents think that that seems fair in this kind of test? Sure. Yeah. 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 Okay. And so 
At the same time, I imagine that both of you, your per adult average is still coming in under the national average is a guess. That's a guess on my part. I don't actually know. It was it was when we were in Wisconsin because we, we put in a this cool geothermal heating and cooling system, which I recommend to anybody with extreme weather. Um, right. And, and, of course, this is for energy. And for here at Wheaton Labs, our, our energy, I mean, we do have a propane heater in the um, library, which I am, I, I would love it if there is somebody who is um, some kind of electrical, in fact, we kind of need an electrical person to come by for a couple of days. But if there is somebody listening to this podcast who wants to come out here for a couple of days and is, and could put in electric heat in the library and in the house, I'd love to switch away from propane and go with electric because it's like it's just for backup. It's mm-hmm. it's just our backup systems. Um, and uh, uh, currently, I'm I have only a small amount of experience working with you know electric stuff, and um, I learned recently that almost none of the boots have any experience. And so it's like it would be great if somebody could come and guide the boot camp for a couple of days in electrical stuff. So, anybody so is electrical got- just that cheap? Because you would think that having the propane tank in the back, you don't have to worry about a grid outage if you need you know, a backup for something there. But the uh, electrical, you would. Well, we have rocket mass heaters. And, and so our primary heat is for, with the rocket mass heaters. And so both the Fisher-Price House and the library have propane heat in the buildings um, to act as a backup. They're both set with the thermostat to 50. And um, and if the library hasn't been used for a couple of days, then that backup heat will come on. And then um, and plus we haven't finished putting the ceiling in in the library, which will help it to hold uh, the heat in there. But um, uh, all right, I'm getting into a, I'm going off on a lot of tangents, but the big thing is I want to get rid of all the propane from here. And, uh, it has more to do with the electric company. It, I get the feeling that, that they are being straight up with me. And so, okay then, fine. Uh, I pay the bill, all is well. The propane company, I, 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 uh, I need them to go away. I need them out of my life. And so the propane stuff was here when I arrived. And, um, <clears throat> I am, I wish to be all done with this organization. <clears throat> and so I, I wish to take every last little thing that we have that uses propane and switch it over to electric. Ta-da! So if there if there was somebody, then that would be lovely. If if somebody wanted to come out to Wheaton Labs for a couple of days, it's a lot of electrician experience. Okay. Um, so, do you spend five times more than your neighbor? Five times less. I think most people would be shocked to learn how much their bathing and laundry habits really cost. 
and how some very simple changes can save hundreds or even thousands of dollars without sacrificing any comfort. So, let's get a grip on this. Energy use is a great eco-metric. Most of our environmental and political problems are rooted in the source of our energy use. So I think people who really care about humanity and the earth will use less than average. And since we have all the statistics on average power consumption, a touch of math is all it takes. There you go. Chapter two. Ta-da. All right. Someday um, someone will just piece these all together and we'll have a Paul Wheaton audiobook. Uh, <laughs> the Arden. I, I, uh, in, I would. In about imagine, a year. <laughs> I would imagine it wouldn't be nearly as good as the guy that does it now. I mean, have any of you listened to the, the audio book that's professionally made? I haven't listened to the whole thing. No, I've listened to excerpts. He does have a very smooth voice. It's true. He's a professional. Yeah. He's yeah, a pro. But, he, but you, you emote more. <laughs> like when you said, I won't tell, I promise, don't kill me. Like you were, you were emoting at that point. Well, so did the guy reading it. The guy that's much. the audiobook guy. He did it too. Uh, okay, I'll have to I'll have to try to find that part. I'll, okay. I'll, I mean, I'll go any it. amount of good that the the guy doing, I mean, even if he's the perfectest, there's still something wonderful about having the original author reading their own book. Right. I remember audiobooks early on, only then they were called books on tape. Mm-hmm. And uh the last thing you wanted was an author reading his own book. <laughs> it's like it's like, oh you know it's gonna be bad. <laughs> So I like it when they got an actor, like, oh, Tim Curry. Wow, there's a guy that knows how to read a book. (laughs) That's true. Yeah. He's pretty pretty awesome. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I and uh, uh, Stephen Fry, he he did uh, Harry Potter. (laughs) He Mm -hmm. I I listened to all the Harry Potter books, and it was like my third time. I'd read the Harry Potter books twice, like. Like as a book, like reading it in my hands, kind of a book. And mm-hmm. then uh, um, I saw that Stephen Fry had read it into an audiobook form, and oh, those were all so delicious, mm. so wonderful. Stephen Fry is also just such a lovely, wonderful person. And of course, I cannot see his face without thinking of Jeeves and Wooster. And I, I just. I know that they, he did other things and stuff and I should, and he also recorded something for I think Willie Smith's where he mentions the word permaculture. So Stephen Fry has had the word permaculture on his lips. Wow. Yeah. So, uh, maybe he didn't know what it was. Maybe he does know what it is. <laughs> Ooh, exciting. Um, <laughs> I always picture him as the, from Black Adder, you know, and all the, those different series. He's one of the main characters in there. I I struggled. I don't think I've even seen an entire episode of Black Adder because every time I try to watch it, it's kind of like, I just can't get into it. But Jeeves and Wooster, I loved it all the way through. Um, all right. Sorry, we're kind of going off on a little bit of a tangent there. We are a little bit eclectic today. So i got to say, I have to end our podcast here today. Yeah, we have a good chapter. 
I have another meeting to do here in a little bit of all of the uh, people that are uh, uh, going to be physically here for the Garden Master Course. Helen wants to meet with them all and talk to them about expectations because she's massaging her presentation to be perfect for them. And so um, that's what's happening here in a little bit. I got to set that set that call up. Right. So. Any other comments about environmentalist versus environmentalist? Nope. Nope. If you like I this sort day. of thing. Okay. You, you hope to one day what? I hope to one day be a real environmentalist. <gasps> Are you thinking you're not passing the test? I, I don't know. I don't know. I have a big house. <laughs> It's not that big. I mean, it's important. <laughs> it's important. If you really want to be tough on yourself, take the mm-hmm. the viewpoint from the book Radical Simplicity, where the average human being consumes $1,200 worth of resources per year on average worldwide. So yeah. if you're using more than $1,200 per year of resources, then you're part of the problem, not part of the solution. Yeah, that's true. That's a pretty extreme view. Does that include what you produce or just what you consume? That's they're they're suggesting that if you need more than twelve hundred dollars a year to exist, then you're above the average. Wow. Yeah. Because that is the average. So pretty much every single person in the United States fails the eco test uh, per that book. Wow. And that since our entire society would have by to virtue of being in the United States, yeah. Well, being part of our society here, yeah. I mean, you, you you could. I mean, you could you could build your own place and not even use solar or gas or anything like that and exist, right? And then you would be using fewer resources. But yeah, that's a pretty extreme extreme view. Okay, so let me let me try this on for size. Um, so so twelve hundred dollars per person, right? And that's for all uh, energy things. Is that accurate? That's for your entire existence. That That's not energy. That's okay. living expenses, food, energy, transportation, okay. everything. Water, wow. all of Everything, yeah. 100 bucks yeah. a month. 100 bucks a month. Wow. Yeah. So that would include your Internet, and it would include your food. Um, it would include... Um, you know, all your energy stuff, including transportation, including car repair. Like if you take your car to go mm-hmm. get it repaired. And uh, um, rent, if you're paying rent. Um, and uh, I don't know. Yeah, you're just your, your existence, you things, your toilet paper. I'm trying to think of like what else is in that yeah. list. Well, cool. yeah, any, any person who has the audacity to have their own house, their own car, you know, travel to a job in that car, all of those things are, are an issue. Because the argument being is that we're currently using about 50% more um, of the resources that are available on this planet than those that are produced. You know, that we're, we're going through natural resources faster than they're being generated by the sun. And therefore, they're eventually going to run out. And there will be a point then, um, the argument is, when there aren't enough resources. And the idea being, well, you, if you really want to be sustainable, you need to exist in a way that is compatible with 
there's so much sunlight that hits the planet generating, you know, photosynthesis, et cetera, um, that you'd have to live in that kind of a format. So having an example of 20 people that live in the same house, there's one car for those 20 people. So as people need to go somewhere, they can use that car. You know, once a week, maybe you go to buy the foods and the, the different things that you need that you're not making or growing on your property, that type of thing. So like Paul has mentioned in the past, right, that the greatest thing you could do as far as reducing your resource use is to live under the same roof with 19 other people and, you know, share all those different resources that we normally have to buy individually. Yeah, that's kind of where I was going. I was kind of thinking, like, how are we doing here at Wheaton Labs? Um so like if if to make the math easy, I can say there's ten people, and so then that would give us twelve hundred bucks a month in expenses. And it's like, are we under twelve hundred? And if we're going to include how I'm currently buying quite a bit of our food still, then um, you know how does that, that? I mean, I think that combined with the fuel each month and internet and uh, um, you know. I like, you know, I already said our energy bill is like hovering around 140. Um, then I think, I think we do blow it out of the water, even with 10 people all sharing. But it's like, yeah, having, having a bunch of people sharing resources really, really makes a massive reduction, which is why a family of five, where there's five people in one home, it, it really helps to, to reduce it per person, but then when you start saying per adult, then it's like, okay, how are you how are you doing there? No, you know. Anyway, it gets complicated. Anything else, anybody? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> no, 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 no. This is this is the moment. All right. If you like this sort of thing, come on after the forums at termes.com, where we talk about this lovely book, Building a Better World in Your Backyard. Instead of being angry bad guys. Homesteading and permaculture. All the time. In a world on the brink of social collapse, one website stands above the rest to fight back the zombie horde of corporate trolls. Permies.com. Take back control of your destiny and protect your loved ones from the toxic gick coming at you from all directions. Strap on your overalls and start building that bunker of abundance with the good vibes and friendly, helpful insight found at permies.com.